Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to the pre-show. For those listening, we highly recommend Rick Beato and his YouTube channel. Yes. Um, it is awesome stuff, and uh, we are hoping that uh, when he listens to this, that he will accept an invitation. We would love to have him on this. Oh, my goodness. I would love... I, I, would, I would totally geek out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would just literally press record and, like, leave the studio, my room, and, and come back after an hour. And sort of wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> I would let both him and you sort of, yeah. Geek I would out like. To, I would like to. My challenge would be: tell me why we built this city for rock and roll is the greatest song ever, and then just turn it off and leave. Oh, what, I think he probably turn it off at that point and leave as well. Yeah, but. he's like, "What are these kids talking about?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I want to thank everybody for uh, subscribing. To our podcast, welcome to the music.com on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, soon to be Amazon Music, by the way. Um, because we are, are ranking in Cyprus. So that's ranking. We are right, we are like a top 100 podcast in Cyprus. Of course, we are. How many cousins I have from Cyprus? Inside, like currently living in Cyprus. We're using computers that servers are in Cyprus. Exactly. What should we know about that? Interesting. Um, the radio book came out, the ratings book. Oh, yeah. The radio recently came out. I don't know if you... I did not look at it yet. I haven't seen it. So, number one station, adults 25 to 54 in Toronto. It's often a like a CHFI or you would be chum. incorrect. I'll tell you the stations after. Male twenty five to fifty four. Okay, we're not we're not we're not we're not posting this to the blog by the way. Women, oh no, this is public, publicly available. No, you and I talking about this. Why not? Let's do it. Women twenty five to fifty four. I have no idea. Chum. No. So. Adults, 25 to 54, Q107. Males, 25 to 54, Q107. Women, 25 to 54, Q107. Classic rock is ruling in Toronto during COVID. What do you take from that? Um... I would take from that that people are being nostalgic. People, are, and I think there was something about that about nostalgia and like like I think Spotify said the numbers for like classic rock and nostalgia was through the roof, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't we talk about this like months ago? I'm talking. So you know, this, I got some Spotify I mean, just around the beginning of COVID. So probably like two and a half years ago. <laughs> Oh, has it not been two and a half years? It feels like it, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. sure feels like it. Oh, my goodness. But I'm really excited to have Grammy Award winning, Juno Award winning producer, 
engineer, artist David Strickland on the show today. Scarborough born. Um, oh, did, have you heard his, did you have a chance to listen to his yeah. latest album? The, the new album, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Spirit of Hip Hop. That There is some good tunes on there, like really, really good tunes. So I'm looking forward to chatting it with him. I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, just learning more about his music and his journey. He's had the uh, chance to work with Drake, with uh, Chocolaire, with Socrates. I don't know if you know who that is, Greg, Socrates. Some people call him Socrates. Um, Method Man from the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> If people could see your face mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, he's worked with a past guest. I was, I was going to actually ask him if he worked with so great. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find him at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey, what's up? This is David Strickland, um, producer, engineer, uh, all-around nice guy. And uh, I forgot the part I was about to say, though. Uh, welcome, welcome to the music. Welcome. I'm trying to read it, but his head was in the way. His right? head, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. Ah, see, that's what we should do. I should just sort of move around this way. People yeah. will be able to read it. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Thanks so much Triple for joining us, man. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. Right on. <laughs> look at those mutt look at those pipes. Yeah. Get back in the gym. <laughs> they finally opened the gym up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see it from here. Somebody's on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't look like a treadmill guy though. What's what's no, your I do it because I smoke. I'm here, I'm smoking right now, but I do try to get on there because you gotta balance that out, right? All right. You know, it's one thing to smoke and not exercise. Yes. Right? So you, you, ba- you balance it. You ever seen uh, Bonaduce with his uh, uh, with his treadmill with the friggin' ashtray welded to it? He's <laughs> <laughs> it's every, everything in moderation. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so how many how many packs is equal to how many minutes on the treadmill, David? That's a good question. <laughs> that a couple million dollars. You right. Um, I just want to call out, uh, cause I'm, I'm sitting in Scarborough right now. Sure and Scarborough. I, I, I understand you're a former Scarborough resident. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so shout out. Or you were born in Scarborough. Born, I was born in Scarborough, born and raised in Scarborough. Um, Shaman and I used to say growing up Scarborough bread, Scarborough dead. Then I added bury me in Pine Hills cause I was born on at Kennedy and Eglinton. And Pine Hills is like Kennedy and St. Clair, almost reaches Eglinton. So I think uh, it would be 
Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Interesting to be buried on the same block you're born in. That's scary. Yeah, right. Growing, growing up in that area, did you? The question I want to ask you: Did you go to Glen Ravine? I did go to Glen Ravine uh, for grade six only. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I was, I was, I was. I, I sort of assumed that based on the neighborhood, or, or had thought that perhaps based on the neighborhood. And uh, I was talking, to, I was talking to my dad about it, and he asked if if you had Jack Marsh as a principal at that time or not. No, I don't remember who the, the principal was then. Um, that's a good question. I do have good memories though about like Glen Ravine. Like, see, I, my dad moved into that to that area before I did, so I knew a lot of kids in my building. So by the time I transferred schools, when I moved from my mom's down in the beaches, um, upper beaches, um, I uh, I already had friends at the school, so it was a little, and I knew people in the area, so it wasn't that bad of a transition for me going there. But I have a lot of good memories of like you know we used to have like. Wednesday nights, they'd have like seven, five to seven o'clock. You go to school and they have games in the hallways and stuff. Glenn oh, yeah. was pretty, was a pretty good school considering you know where we were. Oh, I remember, cool. I remember reading something or, or saw something where you're saying too that, like in, and I don't know if it was that neighborhood or where you moved to from, to that neighborhood. But you said you know you didn't, you know, um, diversity and race wasn't even like part of the equation that you were just a bunch of kids. Is that? Yeah, well, that was the that was in the uh, documentary, the Vice documentary. Yes. Where I was a rich kid. I'm like, yo, but and it's not just me. I'm sure a lot of people from that era growing up, like that's how I was raised. I had friends, and I never noticed what color or what race or what religion they were. Yeah, and I kind of was trying to convey that that's kind of like maybe not just a Toronto thing, but I felt like that was like a Toronto thing for me growing up, where it didn't matter if you were white, Chinese black native it didn't really matter but i was trying to make the point that i didn't realize that you know you know how much of my own people i was surrounded by at the time oh because you know i don't i never really paid attention to your friends are just your friends yeah yeah. And, and it's more and you know spending a lot of time in america america's i come there with that approach so i don't I don't notice like the way things are different there because they are a little different. I've lived in or spent times in many, many different places and noticed the differences and, you know, um, and I've always been comfortable with everybody. So I've never really had any problems, but I know there's a difference and like, I see it, you know, like, because, um, you know, it is different there. So, I mean, maybe things have changed here. I don't know what the experience is like now for people Hmm. growing up here, you know, like, but for me, that's how it was. Do you spend a lot of time now in Toronto or are you split evenly New York, Toronto? I'm back and forth. I've been trapped here since the pandemic. I'm about to go back. Okay. Uh, I didn't really realize I could go back yet. Oh. Um, like I've just been, you know, when they say the border's closed, I, I think they mean the border. They just mean the land border. Yeah, you can and fly, I, right? I usually drive. Yeah. I don't like to fly. So I've been like, and everybody's like, you, you can drive, you can fly down. So I'm like, all right. Let me get my ass out of here. I was finishing some work, so oh. but that's done. Yeah, I, I I spend most of my time, you know, I have kids here and stuff, so I I spend a lot of time here, but I try to spend as much time there as possible. Nice. Um, you you have a nickname, Gordo. Where did that come from? Oh, my name is actually Gordon David. Oh, so- <laughs> yeah, and that's that was a nickname. Everybody Simple. used to call me that anyway, um, and you know. It also has a couple different 
stories behind it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of my name, but I never really used that name and I never used that name professionally. Uh-huh. Um, I never used it on records. Um, and I also looked at it as a way of like, you know, a lot of actors change their name and artists usually go by, by, you know, rappers go by different names. So I kind of like, kind of wanted to keep that my personal life separate. Oh. You know what I mean? Like at, at the beginning, not knowing where it was going to go. Sure. Just, just trying to maintain it and it sounded better to me. So, you know, it works for me. Nice. When but some people don't know me as David, when they hear David. Really? Like, oh, Gordo. Oh, shit. Gordo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like buddies from, buddies from Scarborough like call you Gordo. In the industry, like some people just know me as Gordo. People didn't know my name. Oh, wow. Well, and I noticed that when I was looking up some of the, like discography on Discogs and that they have you down as three different yeah, there's yeah, yeah. I've seen songs produced by Gordo. Yeah. I'm like, guys, <laughs> I just want to claim that one. Yeah. That's nuts. When when um when did you start off like in, in, in the business? When did you start like really taking an interest in I'm guessing DJing first? Yeah, well I was I was DJing um I started getting turntables when I was 14. Wow. Um, I was always into records because my uncles and them always had vinyl. They were really into vinyl. And I was really into music already playing and doing stuff. So I guess it was a natural progression that I got turntables. But I got, you know, I started with belt drives. I had to work, you know, 1200s were expensive. And when you're coming in, it looks fancy. And you don't know that, oh, there's, you know, things you learn along the way. But you can't scratch with a belt drive, like, you know, so... <laughs> That was an evolution. I got turntables. Then you know you got to get a mixer. And back then it was like the old realistic uh, pyramids, and you know, so you got to make all these steps. And then that turned into you know doing parties with friends and grabbing the mic. And then one of my friends had twelve hundred, so we used to all go to his house ah. and jam in Gilder. And then you know you start grabbing the mic and then one of my I back then I I was DJing for a friend of mine was was an MC or he was trying to be an MC. He never actually became an MC but and um I was his DJ. That was the first time I took it serious. And then yeah. another one of my friends, Rumble, um was was doing records, actual records and that's how I started kind of learning how to produce by, you know, watching him or going to the studio or using his gear and stuff and that's kind of where it started to, you know, so I kind of went from DJing to emceeing and then producing. And then I, I was, I said, you know, I better figure something out as a backup plan in case none of this shit. Works. <laughs> better get serious about life. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I started studying radio and then I oh. studied engineering. I went to school for engineering and then that's how I kind of started doing a lot of records and I kind of stopped being an MC, I kind of stopped DJing, you know, more and more. And mm. that came back later on. That's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back then, DJing was hard to keep up. Yet, you, you know, it was expensive. You had to keep up with the vinyl. Nowadays, you could, you know, it's easier to be a DJ, even if you've got 1200s, like, you know, I do. But, you know, you can, the records are online and you could buy stuff. You don't have to go to the store and you don't have to wait till the releases. It's a whole different world. So yeah. it's a lot easier now. But, you know, so I evolved a lot, you know, in, over the time period um, because, you know, it's kind of funny because the drive was always music and it kind of was like, 
you know, if you, some people, and I've seen this happen, some people start off as an artist and end up as a manager. Hmm. You know, as long as you're in the business, sometimes that's all you want to be as a part of the business. Yeah, right? you want to be around the music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and looking back, I kind of, sometimes I'm overwhelmed by how much music I actually got to touch. Hmm. Um, being from, you know, where I come from. For sure. You know, sometimes I'm like, wow, you know, like, and it's not even an ego thing. It's more like, just like, just in awe, like, you know, like, because so much time has passed, you know. Yeah. So going going back to sort of when you said you went through for engineering, music engineering, were you, like, were you at were Fanshawe or one of the schools went, in Toronto? Or? Uh, I went to Humber College Humber. in 1992. Okay. Um, I was actually talking to, um, what's his name? George Strombo. Strombo, yeah. And we were in the same class, just in different classes. Okay. And I, I left and went to Trebus. Yeah. Um, and that was like 94. Okay. And things were a lot different back then. And, um, you know. How I, so? Like how, how different? Smaller, mm. um, better teachers, in my opinion, at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, I basically moved in that mother. You know, like, <laughs> I, I didn't on purpose, but like. I was a student and I ended up working there and I worked there for like seven years. Wow. You know, and then, you know, I had studios there and I built studios for them and, and I really got into acoustics there and, you know, I helped build the campuses as they expanded. And I also was, you know, I was doing financial aid and hmm. because I'm bondable, I was taking money to the bank. I was doing all kinds of stuff over there. I had the keys to the whole school. So, you know, I was like 21, hmm. you know, and, you know, and I was doing, so I'd work all day at the school yeah. and then I'd go downstairs and we had the studio, which was separate and I'd do sessions all night. And, you know, there's a lot of history in Toronto, his, hip hop history comes from that time. Yeah. So I, just to be like, at the time I knew it was special, but looking back now, I'm like, wow, man, you could never recreate that because all the stars had to line up for me to be so lucky to have that because like... I always say luck and people always say I worked hard, but at the same time, there was a lot of variables like, like what would I be doing if that didn't happen? It's timing, you know right? Like, yeah. You know, the, like a lot of those people looked out for me and kept me in the game. And a lot wow. of people, I guess, must have believed in me because they had, you know, they had like a program where, you know, they'd hire some students at the end and give them like a co-op thing and then they'd move on. But I wasn't one of them. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was just always there in the studio. Well, you were building was stuff. Like somebody was sick one day, and it was like, you know, like, I'm just saying, like, so I, I really appreciated that time period because it helped me learn and grow a lot. It was almost like doing, like, a tenure after you finished university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, you know, and I, and I had an impact on people's lives doing that. Was Chris, was Chris Lane there when you were there? Do you know Chris Lane on the, the video side, Travis? Well, video started just by the end. I know oh, okay. video, they were doing video a good few years before I left. I left about 2000. So I was there from like 94 till 2000. So yeah, a good six years. Nice. Felt like longer, man. <laughs> well, Greg, Greg and I were just talking about uh, COVID and Greg is talking, well, yeah, two and a half years we've been indoors. Early COVID two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like forever. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a long six months, right? It has been. Was it always hip hop, David? Like, was that where your uncles were also into? No, no. There was a lot of different genres of music. I grew up a lot of different genres of music, and and back then when I was, 
listening to hip hop in the early eighties, a lot of people were trying to get me to, you know, not be listening to hip hop. Really? Uh, but I liked that. I liked, I liked um, house and hip house and dance and uh, uh, reggae was big. I was a lot of, uh, I'm still into dance hall and roots and culture. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot. My, I'm, my, my, uh, Encyclopedia on reggae music is pretty deep. I, a lot of people I've had conversations with were like, "Wow, you know, like, like Toots just passed the other day." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Yo," and then they're like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Yeah, dude." Thank the guy for reggae music. Yep. That that whole transition. Was, yep. Into reggae, like you know, so, and then, um, so that that was a big influence. So I wasn't just strictly hip hop. Even okay. though I love hip hop, yeah. I've been able to be a part of it, you know. So you're in you're in the Travis basement with the studios and everything. Um, who's who are who's coming in and out of there? Like you talked uh, about, talking like, uh, back then it would be like I was just seeing that some of the tapes the other day. It's funny, uh, Cardinal, Socrates, Ghetto Concept, Chaos, Julie Black, uh, Red Life. You know, that's where I did uh, the Grassroots album. <laughs> So, you know, there's tons of people on that. Yeah. Then there's tons of people I'm forgetting about who we never heard of or sure. that I'm just old and can't remember. Yeah. So, you know, but so, I mean, it's really a, a an era in in hip hop in the city at that time, right? That I'm, you know, like a part of. So, I mean, that. So and, is this is this before like Socrates with Socrates? Is it like, you know, very early no, days? This is during it, like. This is around hate runs deep hmm. from then on. I met Sox when he was, you know, really early on in his career. Like I remember he was the, I, I could be wrong. He was the first one to get a U.S. deal uh, for an MC. Hmm. He was signed to Warner, right? And I remember putting that album to Dat to send to the label, you know, and that and I, he was like 17. So he was still in high school, you know? That's crazy. And that was, that was that's history. Yeah. Right there. And you didn't like, you know? there's, there's, is there a way of knowing? Like, did you, is there tingles going up your back at the time? Like, they were, we're Toronto's, <clears throat> Toronto's coming up. Sometimes. Because guys were coming up, you know, like K Cut would come through from Main Source. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember one time we had Smooth the Hustler up there. To Root had him up. Um, Common was up and Common did a song with Socrates back then. Really? Like, if you go check the records, there's, um, people I'm missing, but you know, and it's almost like I was an assistant and an engineer and it wasn't my place. Mm. It was Gadget's place in them. So I was just happy to be there. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Yeah. But I was watching the magic and I knew what was happening was magical. Yeah. And I knew I was lucky to be a part of that because I mean, would I even be in the business if I didn't get that opportunity? And I didn't go looking for that. Mm-hmm. I was just there, and I'm the kind of guy. Well, I'll just go with whatever's going, and I just kind of go with the flow, and you know, the rest is history. But you know, a lot of a lot of important rep music came out of there at that time. You know, a lot of pe- and that laid the foundation for a lot of people's careers. Wow, there's that uh, Netflix documentary, right? Hip Hop Evolution. I'm, I'm curious, is there like a Toronto or Canadian version of it? Well, I was I was wondering if they're going to do that. It's yeah. funny. I was yeah. talking to Darby Wheeler about that. Uh, I don't know if you know Darby or not, but uh, he's one of the producers on it. And uh, no. he said, he's, I asked him, I said, what, like, what, when are we going to have a Toronto, at least a show, like at least one episode. Yeah. And uh, he was saying that that's, I think, I think that run is pretty much done on that show. 
Uh, unfortunately. It's they, a shame because those guys, those guys put out some great content. The production company, um, Banger Films, I think it is, that did that. Good. Like some, not just that, they've done a lot of other stuff too, but man, I, I really wanted to see more. I, and I thought, man, if they don't talk to me or Gadget, then it's not a legit... Because they always tell the Ivan Barry story. I keep saying this. Hmm. You go to like, I was at the CBC anniversary thing and it's like, it's, you know, not it's not a diss on them or anything, but there's more to the story than just Mishimi Maestro and the Ivan Barry story of, of Beat Factory. There, a lot happened after that between there and Drake. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So we came in, we did a lot of records, a lot of people's lives were affected by the work that we did. And I always forget that. And Gadget always reminds me of that. And I, I tend to keep it humble, but it's is all pre-Drake. Drake is a whole other story. Yeah. You know, there's it's like the an evolution, right? So sure, yeah. You that's a big it, right? part of the evolution. That's the foundation for that sound, right? And Gadget is that sound. You have to give you have to respect that. You know, like mm-hmm. go check the credits on the Drake albums and Gadget's a part of that. And Gadget was a part of all of this. Yeah. So without Gadget you have a big hole in Canadian hip hop and music in general, because he also, you know, been a part of other things. He's not always seen, but he's around, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to go back and listen, re-listen to, this is not a Drake podcast because I know they went back sort of in that period in between. So I want to, I want to now give it a listen after this conversation and see how much they covered. Go listen to a passage through time. Go listen to the Grassroots album that was done on one-inch tape and listen to that record sonically. Yeah. And then go pick up Scorpion or Take Care or something. Then you pick a Drake album that he mixed. Yeah. Go listen. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to go, wow, wow, okay? So, I mean. Tell me, for the, we, we've had a few engineers on, uh, Mark Howard being one that off the top of my head has worked with uh, U2, Neil, Neil Young, a whole bunch of other people. I stopped keeping up on the engineers. Yeah. Well, I used to be up on, I used to want to be like the guy doing all the records and keep up on who's who. Yeah. I had to do a top 10 list and I had to do some research because <laughs> there are guys I like, but I don't, it's just like artists and stuff. When I, I kind of got to a point and then I just stopped paying attention because I became in my own little world. Yeah. And I didn't want to play in the rat race no more because I, I've seen it all. Well, here's I've done it all. And I'm like, man, to stay on top is a lot of work, and I'm not trying to be on top. I'm not trying to be the best. I just said it the other day. I'm not trying to be the best. I'm just trying to contribute. Fair enough. You know I mean? Here's what I want to know. And some of our some of our listeners are are like Greg. You know, they're former musicians. They they understand the ins and outs of the of the industry. Other people are like me, and we're just fans of music. But tell me, for for those who don't know, what 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 is the role of the engineer in the studio? Well, the engineer is kind of like the mechanic. Uh, in the, I try to, you know, put it in terms that people understand, like the chef. Mm. You know, in, in some ways the producer is the chef, but, like, we're like the glue. You know, like, you can't, you need us to get it done. Right? Even if the artist eliminates us, they end up doing our job. Mm. Like, like we're an essential part of making music. Mm. Whether you're doing it yourself, you're the engineer. Yeah. Right. So you got to start. You have to. Re- in, you need the engineering part to record it. Then you need it to mix. Like you, it's like whoever started recording. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not realizing what they were doing, but you know, like 
it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, being an architect, you know what I'm saying? Like you need that person to, to, to bring it all together. You know, uh, that's what got to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what made, that's how I became an engineer because I would go in the studio as an artist and not understand how to convey my ideas. I didn't understand what all the stuff did and all the equipment because I didn't come from a musical background. Mm. I had this giant learning curve. I didn't even know anything about bars or notes or, you know, so I kind of like just was interested and that's how I, I became an engineer because I, you know, I, I'm curious and I like to play with toys. It just one thing led to another and I didn't really take it serious. Like, Oh, I want to be this guy and I want to do these, right. You know, it wasn't like, I wasn't like a, it wasn't like a thing. Like I was into before it just kind of like I fell into it, you know? So I appreciate it more because of that in some ways, because um, I see what it means to the whole process now. Like I didn't, Maybe if I knew, I wouldn't have got. Like some people ask me, they're like, what should I do? I'm like, don't do it. Oh, I want to get, I'm like, don't do it. You think I'm having fun? Sometimes, sometimes, but it's, there's a lot of stuff involved, man. And I've been in some situations where, you know, I've been in rooms with like some serious heavyweights and I, and everybody's looking at me for the answers and I don't know the answer, but I have to act like I do or find it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and you know, um, I know people who have that background and I see why they they are, you know, you know, and I wish I would have known a little more because maybe I wouldn't have because I had to get, you know, it wasn't something I was just naturally good at, like like painting. I'm just naturally apparently, because I don't even let, think I'm that good. But I'm mm. it's just something I can do and I do it, and people are like, wow, and I'm like, Oh, okay, whatever. I'm just it's just I like it and I'm natural with engineering and music. I had to learn stuff and learn how to do it. And, and I didn't get sent to lessons and I didn't get taught. Like if I at least would have had piano lessons when I was a kid, it would have made a huge difference later on. Right. So, you know, all these things come into play. So for me, it's like, I appreciate it a lot more because I understand what it, it takes because I've taught people stuff. Huh. Like artists that I look up to, I've taught them engineering stuff, and I just go, "Wow, you know, like, okay, who am I? I'm nobody. I'm just some kid from Scarborough." Right? Do you, do you feel you're? Do you feel you're a musician first or an engineer I never, first? I never even call myself a musician. Oh, okay. The only thing I would call myself is a producer. Okay, and that was something I only started saying later because I started producing more by default, not because I was trying to. And then I was just making beats for, I would always been making beats, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times I'd be engineering a session and I have a pocket full of beats, but it's not the right etiquette for me to impose on the session with the artist and start playing my beats. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to engineer. So I wouldn't do that. Mm. If they asked me, that would be different. So Mm. that started becoming more of a thing later. And I was like, all right, you know, um, why not? You know, um, because people don't know the differences between the engineer and the producer. And, you know, I learned in school that every good producer knows how to, is a good engineer. So, I mean, to be a good producer, you should be an engineer. So I kind of like, I don't really look at myself, you know, I came in as an engineer. I did most of my work has been an engineer. Um, And a lot of times it gets confused where people call me 
producer first or, you know, they associate awards and accolades with the producing when yeah. most of them are for engineering. And I'm going, and then people go, oh, well, da, da, da. And I'm like, well, I know. But it, to me, I come from old school background where you got to be, you know, on point about certain things. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to overstep get, your contribution. Yeah, I don't want people, because sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, ah, and then I think back and go, okay, I guess so, yeah, right. Like, I produced a song for this person. I'm like, no, I didn't. Then I'm like, oh, wait, I've known them 20 years and I was engineering for them for 15. And then, yeah, I did produce a couple songs for them later and I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I'm like, I don't want nobody giving me shit. Because <laughs> up in, in like, you know, this boot camp engineer land where like, you know, you got to be a stickler. And I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm always on, trying to be on top of my P's and Q's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I apologize. I should have, I, I actually meant to say artist rather than musician. Artist versus engineer. Yeah, well, no, yeah. so, some people are musicians. And, uh, I'm, and then the artist, that's a whole other thing too, because that's a new thing for me too. And, and I was eased into it because it was being a visual artist. But then now, you know, like on the album, I got a verse, but I'm not trying to be an MC. But now I'm an artist, I guess. So like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, gee. Right? So it's like a whole other... So I'm getting called all these names. So then when yeah. you look at it, producer, engineer, DJ, because I DJ, like, I'm DJing again, but then I'm also, you know, DJing as in hip-hop, performing yeah. on records. So like... DJ, producer, artist, engineer, mixer, then visual artist. And then I'm speaking and doing lectures and stuff. So, like, all these other things are coming to play. Then they got me doing, you know, stuff that's, like, um, curating. And, you know, like, it's, 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 like, keep evolving. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I'm not even, tr- like, I keep falling into stuff is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Who would have thought a kid yeah. from Scarborough, eh? Yeah, it's some kid from school. <laughs> what what sort of I, I, I want to sort of bridge a gap between um, Trevis and Drake. You, what, what what you know after you finish at Trevis, um, where where do you find yourself? What are you up to? Um, well, I'm there doing records. When I stopped, when I left there, I went over. We built a studio over at Spadina in Richmond. A uh, friend of my friend of ours, uh, Dean who's passed on mm. um, he had own was part owner of like fluid the dough a few clubs around town yeah. and he was um a b-boy back in the day like known in the city and we put this label together um him tyson i was the engineer at nighttime so we built a studio a facility uh, we signed artists and that place was the place to be for a while Anybody who came into town was recorded there. That was, you know, Method Man recorded there. I was in the studio. I was in the studio there with Teddy Riley, Babyface. Um, A lot of people were, you know, and then there was, you know, local artists doing stuff there all the time. So that place was, you know, I was there for a couple of years. Then I went over and built Shaw Claire's studio we had at the time. And then when, I don't know if you remember Greenhouse Days, so around the time Skunk, if you go back and look at uh, the song Skunk, Chocolate's hmm. second album. So that's around that time, 2002. So I was doing, um, I was, you know, around those times I had keys to a bunch of studios. So I was doing like Glenn Lewis album, Ghetto Concept album, Seven Bills, uh, working on sessions at that studio, Soundproof. 
doing anything, you know, working with Jellystone, working, I was just working with like everybody at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in my mid twenties, just running wild, like, like living the dream for myself. Cause like, sure. I'm, you know, 25, you know, just doing music for, that's all I did, you know? Um, and, and those times, you know, I was always going to New York and, uh, around 99 is when Socrates got signed to Def Jam. So by 2002, you know, me and Socks were going to New York a lot. And, and just, you know, that's how I met Redman through Socrates. Um, so I was fortunate enough to come out of the studio one day in New York and see the legend Eric Sermon sitting there at the table <laughs> in the lounge. And I was like, oh, snap, Eric, yeah. Red man, Eric, I didn't even, you know, so, you know, caught up. So once I linked up with Eric, it was, you know, we just meshed like you wouldn't believe. We're both on the same page. So, I mean, so between that and Drake, I was like, by the time Drake started blowing up, I was in Atlanta. Me and Eric would would go to Atlanta a lot between Long Island. And I was just back and forth for years. I mean, we did... Geez, I'm skipping out a lot of stuff there. It's like, you know, I built Blacksmith. That's where 40 came in. Um, that's where we did the Divine Brown album. Wow. Jellystone record. There was a lot of records, you know. Um, that's during the Fifi Dobson time. We all had um, Chris Smith as our manager. Like, that was Chris's studio. Um, and he was managing Nelly and Fifi and tons of people, Philosopher Kings. So, um I just was going back and forth and, you know, eventually uh, got to the point where, um, you know, the Drake thing happened. I was in Atlanta with E and we were just like, what the hell, right? Like, what are you guys doing? Because I stopped paying attention. I was just, I was never here, but I was here. I was just just running by the seat of my pants. (laughs) but, But it's a long time, like from 2002 until 2010 that's a good eight years you know Uh, a lot of stuff happened during that time but you know i didn't see that coming at all um you know i wasn't paying attention i I just it's been a blur like since that trevis time it's only the last you know five years where i've really kind of stopped and slowed down a lot you know um after like i don't really work on much of the drake stuff anymore even though I'm around and I see those guys almost every day. Yeah. But I just, it's, it's so, so much has happened and so much time has passed. I'm just like, wow. You know, it's like, just like that, it seems, you know, so it's, it's pretty overwhelming because I'm skipping out on a bunch of shit, but yeah. you know, there's, it's just like, I could be so lucky that one, cause a lot of people just, you get on a ride and then it just stops or it fizzles. And I just keep getting, pull back in or something just you know one thing stops another thing happens right yeah for sure what was it like how like i'm curious about your time with socrates in 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 def jam like what was what was that like because def jam was i guess it had already blown up like you know it was already huge it was the the place to be oh my god that was that was like for me that was like uh my dream yeah as like a kid like i remember buying radio LL Cool J radio cassette and the old Beastie Boy albums at the Town yeah. Center and Def Jam was like, you know, Def Jam. That was right? the place to be. So sure. to be 
seeing Sox get signed, you know, through Gillahouse, through Def Jam, you're still dealing with the Def Jam people and being around Red. And, you know, I was there when around when Jay was president. And, you know, I got to see, like, I got to go to Fat Farm with Red Man and just take what we want and be <laughs> around. I got to meet so many people that it would, like, I probably wouldn't have got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, just being around Eric and Red, hmm. you know, just being around. Not even trying, just being, hanging out, just, you know, so a lot of those t- those memories I, I appreciate because I, at the time I wasn't really in, and it probably still happens, and I always try to slow myself down now because, you know, I, I, I've been lucky to see a lot of stuff I got to see, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's hard to get in some places. You yeah. can't just walk in, every, you know. Like, sure. Some of the places I can get in, you people can't just show up. Right? I don't realize that, right? So you know, I appreciate it. Were you able so to do engineering dance. on a? Sorry, sorry, Greg. Were you able to do uh-huh. some engineering on on Def Jam stuff for for soccer? Oh, I've, I've done a lot, plenty of engineering. On, that's what I'm I'm getting at. Like you know, yeah. I have records here where it's Def Jam and my name's on the record. Oh, jeez. You know, and I'm just like, you know, like wow, and not just one, you know, like a few. <laughs> yeah. Right over the years, you know, like even just being a part of the like blackout albums and stuff like this Red and Math or Red Man or I'm like sometimes it blows my mind. Like I remember putting and some people don't like that album that we did, but uh the Method Man album that I got to participate in a lot, we did, you know, me and Eric set up and put that album in order. In the order, like, you mm-hmm. know, when you're doing it for mastering, like and just taking the songs and putting them in what order they're going to go in, that's a whole other art form in sure. itself, right? And just being able to, like, have those memories and go, wow, like, you know, like, I never would, you know, think that I could be a part of something like that. Like, that was like a dream come true, you know what I'm saying? Sure. You're still hanging engineer, on? How's your, how's your relationship with mastering? Because that's a question that comes up with a number of engineers. We get a real mix. I do it, I do it here and there, but I don't really have, like... See, I don't really get into it, into it, unless I have this, like, I don't really keep those big studios around them where I have access to places. But I've been thinking about doing it again because I used to just live in the studio and always had a a, a room somewhere. But that's a whole separate lane. And you got to have, if I had the money, I might go buy some toys just for the fun of it because it is, it can be fun. And I do it sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like something I always figured I'd save and do it later on. Yeah. I'll do that when I get older or because it's, I don't want to say it's not necessarily an easier task. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. It's like hockey and cricket, you know, like it's two different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always wanted to get into it. Yeah. So I dabble, but I don't really like say, oh, I, I don't call myself a mastering engineer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I could do it. I'd probably be really good at it if I got into it, but. You know, I just try to keep doing what I'm doing. Are you often comfortable with the outcome from the mastering when you're not? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I wish I had more to try, you know, but (laughs) I I, I understand the theory and I know it's what the goal is. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people like, like I'll give you a perfect example. And I pulled up an old mix the other day and I had the print where like we would print because you're using outboard gear and consoles and you're printing back into Pro Tools, the mix, and you're printing minus 3 dB. And we'd always say, and God rest the dead, rest in peace, Tommy Uzo. Okay, we got to 
Now we got to print a version for the rappers and turn it up because the mix doesn't have to be loud. It's going to go to mastering and they're going to do that. Okay. It has to be a good mix sonically. Right. So, and you print at a certain, because we used to print the tape and then it went to that. And then now we're printing back into the computer, but you still have to keep the theory in mind and let's get lost. And I'm getting prints that are pinned and I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, it's nice and loud and all that, but you don't have to do that. You're supposed to do it this way. You know, like people aren't learning the theory, let's say. And then some, you know, like it, it's got to come into play. So I laugh because I'm like, you know, I got to keep myself in check sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. Because like it's, there's so many luxuries now that we didn't have before, right? And I'm going, damn, man, that's right. This is how we used to have to do it. You know, I, I, I've been there and watched watch a whole you know song total recalls anybody know what the total recall is in a real studio with a with a uh, ssl and outboard gear and patch bays and panam bays i don't care if you're using pro tools or not when you're mixing like this you need an assistant to do the recall and sometimes it takes two hours and you have to write all the settings down all all the outboard gear all the patch cables got to be the same and you got to get it perfect because when you hit play it's not going to sound the same Right. And I've seen songs get recalled 10 times to change something. Right. Like it's, uh-huh. you know, we're now I'm in the box. I don't have to ping. Everything's there. Right. Or with, you know, the modern technology with some of the consoles. So, I mean, shit, man, we're lucky as hell. Wow. So I, I, I just stay in my lane and, you know, maybe one day I'll get into it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for the master guys. Yeah. I've been in Sterling Sound. I've gone to mastering sessions just as, you know, um, just to watch with the artist. Because a lot of times I end up being good friends with the artist. So I kind of go, you know, and it's good to go to that stuff and and see them master your own mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, like as an engineer, right? You, You learn. You can never stop learning, right? That is nuts. I read somewhere that you've, you, you, you have met some master tapes like hidden away in your, in your crib there or somewhere. Like, I know you've got... Oh, i got tons of masters hidden away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got Shocklin's first album over there in the corner somewhere. But you, did, you, didn't, always, you didn't master that? No, I got the master reels, oh. the masters of the tapes. And it happened by accident. It fell in my lap and I saved them. And I just brought really? them home. Wow. Yeah, it was just, I'm not even going to get into it, but it was just there. Which, and I'm like, I should probably take these before they're, just, before they're not in existence. David, let's assume right? that no one's listening to this episode. Yeah. What's the story? How did you get Chalk Lear's first album? And I don't mean stuff that we had at the studio. I, we have all that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, because some of his stuff got done in, the, in New York later Troy Hightower mixed it and um, there was a situation where tapes were building up and some of them had to be sent back to labels some of them had to be depending on what it was right yeah, yeah. Uh, return to artists and I don't think anybody knew who who Shockler was in the room so I was like yo I, can I take those because they weren't <laughs> going back and I didn't want to see it you know, disappear because yeah. I knew what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brought it home and and I showed them, but like 
One day I'll put them on. I just want to bake them, put them on a reel, and transfer it to Pro Tools. Because back then we weren't doing Pro Tools uh-huh. for recording. So there's no sessions. That's the, the whole point of having some of these. Like, sure. Because there's no digital copies, right? Once you have a digital copy, you can back it up, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't back this. You could back it up, but it would have been a lot of work. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. People weren't doing that back then. You feel me? So who who brought you into the Drake sessions? Was that was that Gadget? No, that was Forty. Okay. I kind of brought Gadget into the Drake sessions. That's kind of funny. So so tell because tell me how did, time, how did Gadget Sorry, was um, doing like A and R work. He wasn't oh. doing as much engineering. He was over at Blacksmith, and um, when the Drake stuff happened, um, it was probably overwhelming. I would imagine, but I you know I remember talking to Forty about it and going, "Hey, bro, like I see what's happening. Like, wow, you hit a grand slam out the park, dog. You know, if you need any help, you know, we got you." And that's yeah. really what it was. And then. You know, he's so good at what he does that he evolved to the point where I'm like, okay, I guess I don't know what he needs me around here. And I just went and did my own thing because mm-hmm. I was already doing my own thing. And I wasn't really trying to, like, impede mm-hmm. or, you know, like, yeah, I'm always down to work. But, like, look what you guys did. Wow. Like, this is all an evolution mm-hmm. from the beginning, right? When we tell that story from me, go, Maestro, Michigan. The, the evolution, the, the circle days, the 90s, right up, it all, everybody is participating in, in building up towards that till we are, here we are today, right? Yeah. And then it's happened in a lot of cities, right? If you go back, like if we were to do that evolution um, video and you see, I noticed the, diff, the similarities by when you do other cities. I don't know if they did Philly. Philly is another good place to do. If you know the history of hip-hop in Philly, it's interesting, too. But I remember from being a kid at the time when it was happening. So it was like Philly, Toronto, and New York. But a lot of rappers at that time coming to Toronto and doing a show was their first show out of out of the country, hmm. right? Because it was so close. Yeah. So, I mean, we got lucky because we're, our, we're so close that we got to experience a lot of acts that we might not have got to see like you know if you were in france maybe you wouldn't have got to see the like you know we had battles like when you had like krs1 coming up mm-hmm. like somebody was showing something the other day and they're like look biz is at the concert hall and biz is beatboxing for krs1 and i'm like oh shoot i didn't realize that at the time that that's funny the juice crew boogie down yeah. they were you know what i'm saying at the time they yeah. weren't they were not. They were battling each other, but here they are in Toronto, and instead of you know what I'm saying, so I'm like, wow, I didn't really catch that, <laughs> you know. That's interesting. There's tons of, damn, just tons of history. There is, and that's you know, I wish we could do something to show it. I, I, I've been dying to do something about it, but I'm not really a, a TV or movie director or producer. We're, so. we're going to put Greg on on that project. I just want to watch the show. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, you'll watch it, and there'll be parts. There'll be it'll either be you or well, somebody playing. Be, I, we should be in it. Yes, we should be <laughs> in it. Um, but I mean, I'm used to getting left out, so I'm be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it must have. It must have meant there must have been something in you to say, "Hey, you guys, you know, you guys got things, you know, down pat. You know, with Drake, no need for me to be here." Rather than trying yeah. to stay there and trying to 
um, I'm not, I don't want to say milk it for what it's worth, but sort of stay on this rocket ship. Well, I mean, they could have me involved anytime they want. So, yeah. I mean, it's, in, but at the same time, it's when you're on that level, it gets to be a pretty high paced thing. So, you f- tend to forget, filter out a lot of stuff, and you're just kind of like going. So, yeah, it's, I don't really watch it as, as anything to do with me. Hmm. Um, there was times where I could, would get the call and I'd be gone, but otherwise, I'm just like, still, I had other stuff going on already. So, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yeah. It became a good thing. Like, you know, I'm lucky. I'm glad it happened. Sure. Um, um, had it happened without me being involved, I, you know, I'm, you know, I applaud it, you know, like yeah. that's what we've been working towards all along is something like that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, good for them. For and sure. they've gone beyond, you know, the wildest dreams, you know, like it's unbelievable. Absolutely. I'm always like, wow, wow. (laughs) Who would have thought? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. When did the idea for the spirit of hip hop first come to you? Like, when did you know I want to do my own thing? Well, I was thinking about it for a while, and then I started thinking about doing that album, but it was supposed to be just indigenous. And then. after after rain passed, King Rain, yeah. rest in peace. After rain passed, I was like, man, I did a painting of him that I gave to his, his kids. Wow. And then um, I started going through my vaults. And then I was, because I did a lot of music with him in the past. And some of it was, I'm like, I think we used everything. I don't think I had anything that he didn't put out. And then I found some. I found a song that I'm like, oh, we never put this out. Mm-hmm. So I I made that first song that was like with him and Socrates and Q Rock, and I was like, yo, wait a second, because him and I were talking about him either being on the album or him shooting videos, and so that kind of sparked the idea where I was like, yo, what if I put black artists and indigenous artists on songs together. I'm mm. like, yeah, I'm sure it's been happened before, but not like this, or maybe not the way I was thinking or whatever. I just, that became the idea. So that's how kind of how it started. And then it started snowballing from there. How long ago was this that you started putting it together? Uh, 2016. Oh, a while back. Mm. Wow. Yeah. 2016, 2016. Yeah, that's when he, when did he pass? 2016. Yeah, I think it's been four years now. Wow. Um, how did you choose, like, which indigenous artists to use, which which rappers to use? How did you well, choose? Well, that that? that's the hard part because there's so many talented artists and yeah. I only leave so many. And how do you approach something like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, if you have the idea, like, okay, I want to do 10 songs and then you start making beats, but then you don't know what people are going to pick. So you don't know what, you know, it's not like I'm like, here's one beat. You can only use rap on this beat. Like you got to give people choices. Yeah. So it, it kind of had to evolve. And then I only knew so many people. And then, you know, I was doing stuff where like, for example, Jesus would come to town and we'd do a song and then I'd do a song for him. And then, you know, the way aspects out ends up on the album is only because, um, Dreesus was in town and he was like, yo, can you DJ my set? 
I'm doing House of Paint. And I was like, uh, it's in Ottawa. You know, like, so <laughs> you know, I'm driving to Ottawa, right? That's how I met Aspects. And then me, me and Aspects became, we're tight now, but we do music together. So that's how he ends up on the album. So there's a lot of stuff like that where I was meeting people and then people just click. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't always work that way. But in this case, um, a lot of times it did. And then it not every time it worked, like it, I had to work at it. It wasn't just like handed to me, you know, I had to like change stuff around and, you know, it was, it, it wasn't a situation where I went in with a plan. Right. So it kind of had to evolve. So it was, it was more like thinking back, I'm like, damn, I should have, like, I didn't think it was going to take so long. I didn't think it was going to evolve to what it did. Like, it, like it, it really went to a place that I was like, wow, man, I was just trying to just do a little, you know, little thing on the side. It wasn't supposed to be a big <laughs> deal. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, then people started hearing, yo, I heard you're doing this album. I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, you know, so, you know, it's a blessing. I'm not complaining. Yeah. So when, I mean, there's a number of songs. There's, um, I think the first song I heard off of that album was, the one about it's not I don't know if it's about Winnipeg, but it talks about Winnipeg first. Yeah, questions last. It's about Winnipeg. Yes. So there's songs like that. There's Res Life. Um, are the are the rappers or the artists are they coming to the table with lyrics after hearing the beats they want to rap on? Are you talking to them about themes? How does that all come together? Uh, every song that kind of is different. Sometimes I have an idea. Sometimes I just they pick a beat and they just start going and then I go off. Like say somebody just does a verse mm-hmm. and then that, that'll spark the whole song. Wow. You know? So there was no, uh, there was no thought like, in your example, mind. I'll give you an example. Yeah, Turtle yeah. Island. Yeah. Turtle Island started yes. with Spade. Okay. And then, and then I got Superman on it and then um I needed a hook and Jordan came and then when he came with the chorus, the beat was totally different. There was a couple things that were similar to the original. Damn, I could have used the original as the remix. I never thought of that. <laughs> I just did two other remixes. Well, I just dropped the Rockweiler remix. Shout out to Rockweiler. Yeah. Um, so it, um, it evolved, but when Jordan came with the chorus, it made me go somewhere else with the music because of what he sang and he was kind of like well what's it about and then i told him and i just let him do his thing and that's the you know when you have good artists who can write these things can happen so that i kind of changed the whole song you know like so i i kind of like you know some people want to be in control but i don't always like i like that you know like like we're just kind of like vibing you know what i'm saying yeah and then and then the other thing that happened, once I changed the music around that, and then, you know, I added, you know, we added arts and all that. And then at the end, I added Whitey. So the song had a whole different title. Oh? So while I was working with Whitey on the song, if you go listen to the song, Turtle Island, on all platforms, um, he says Turtle Island to the world because I said, yo, just, I just need you to do some toasting. Like, you know, say Turtle Island to the world. I'm like, but you can't say it like in a patois. You can't say Turkle. You have to say Turtle because 
non-Jamaican people will understand what you're saying. So we had to keep the turtle. But him doing that, that's what made the song, I changed the name of the song to Turtle Island. Because when I started listening to what the song was about, I was like, wait, this is about here, which is Turtle Island. Yeah. Right? So, like, you know, all these things became one led to another and evolved the song, whereas... I didn't sit there and go, no, the song's called uh, blah, blah. It's got to be like this, and you got to change that. And I'm not that kind of, you know, I don't like to be like that. I like to nurture and watch things grow, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, uh, David. Can we go a few more minutes? Is that okay with you? Yeah, 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 we're we good. All right, cool, man. Um, it's really the, I, I guess it's it's meant to be the first song or the first sort of um, thing off of the album, Spirit of Hip Hop. Um, In the intro, some people that call it spoken word. Yeah, spoken word, thank you. Um, Which I didn't really realize that's what we were doing until after. Yeah, so it's sort of, Ernie gives the the sort of the definition of of hip hop, and he says hip hop is indigenous, what does he say, hip hop is indigenous culture? Hip hop is indigenous music? Something along those lines. The expression. I can't remember the exact oh, you can words. See my tattoo. Can you see my yeah. tattoo? Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> That's basically what he's talking about right there. Ah. Um, and you know, he's comparing, you know, because he always says the fifth element uh piece, uh, wisdom, love, and understanding. And those are those are teachings that we live by in our culture anyway. Yeah. Um, but he's um, you know, indigenous culture and hip hop is the same, mm. you know. And when we say it, we don't just mean we're talking about us because we're here and this is where hip hop was born. But this also is indigenous, you know, there's indigenous people all across the world. Yep. So if you go and look at different cultures, even like Af- different cultures in Africa or um, in India, um, I've, you know, I love history and I love cultures and I love learning. And I always, I always laugh because a lot of times, because, you know, Canadians hide the racism very well. <laughs> and sometimes people think I'm a white guy. And I love people, even though it doesn't seem like it. But a lot of times, I, I in, and I get this, I don't know from being in the States a lot, but in, people get it twisted here. In America, people will talk to you and people are great. And I like to talk to people. And, and I notice sometimes it's not so good here. So I always talk to people, but I like to ask questions and engage people of any, I don't care where they're from, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I catch people off guard, right? And I love it because sometimes we need that good vibe from because a lot of times we have too many bad experiences. Mm. This happens with everybody. That's why people become racism or people become prejudiced because they have bad experiences or somebody didn't told them something. Or So I love to undo that, right? So mm-hmm. I, I love to learn, and when you compare the cultures. Um, so it doesn't just apply to indigenous us. We're just speaking as us because we're native American. Yeah. And, um, and what he's saying is, you know, the elements compared to what we, you know, what we, our culture is, you know, the DJ is the, uh, the drummer, the MC is the storyteller. The B-boy is the dancer and the graffiti artist is the petroglyph writer or the sand painter. Mm. So, 
and the reason we're we're saying that is also because we noticed that like we're in a crisis situation in our communities on our reservations. A lot of there's a lot of um, you know different scenarios that are not good. But one thing that we that I noticed and that Ernie noticed and a lot of people noticed is a lot of our youth are into hip hop and they want to tell their stories. And there's a reason for that. And that's where that moment came for me as a kid from Scarborough who wasn't raised, you know, with my traditions where my, the people who came before me, my parents and my grandparents, everybody was raised to hide that and to be shameful that we're hmm. indigenous. You know, a lot of my black friends joke that I'm so white and oh, I'm a white Indian. And I'm like, yeah, I have like, it's funny because like on my dad's side, you think, oh, they're mostly you know, white people in there is one or two indigenous relatives. And I'm like, no, they're all indigenous. And there's like one or two white ancestors. And then, you know, then my mom's side, it's almost this like one white line and then the rest are all mixed with Creole and natives and French people. And I'm like, so I, but like the features and some of the, it's in the DNA, man. Yeah. So I took to hip hop naturally and our kids are taken to it. Right. So our whole thinking is I'm like, this is it's 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 what I'm doing, like being proud of who we are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mixed. I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of who I am in all aspects. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's hard to watch and and undo all that pain that, that people came before me had to endure to be ashamed of who they are and they were taught that in white supremacy and colonialism all these things made them have to live through those like so i'm kind of taking a new approach to that and being you know proud of who i am and showing that yo we can make a difference in this world if we because like i said in the beginning i'm nobody this poor kid from scarborough i never learned how to do anything i wasn't taught how to play piano or nothing but all i had was the drive to like try to dream, you know, mm. and it doesn't have to be music. I just chose that. I wanted to paint. I ended up in the McMichael. That blew my mind. I didn't mean for that to happen, but I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to paint there. I just never told anybody about it. And then when it happened, I was like, holy cow. So the point is not about, oh, I'm the best or, or, oh, you can do it. And I mean, nobody's story is better or worse. You know what I'm saying? Because, People don't look at the side. I don't talk about, well, I had, you know, I made my bet. I had five kids by 21. I had all the odds stacked against me, mm. and I still was able to, you know, overcome. I've seen a lot of bad stuff, too. So it's not that preachy, oh, you can do it. and you. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say, like, doesn't matter what you're doing. You can you can make a difference. If you really want to do something, you'll, you're going to do it. And that's what I've learned through all this about myself and it never necessarily worked out the way I expected or how I planned, but it worked out in a way where, damn, I'm sure, I sure appreciate how lucky I am mm. to be able to even be, have these conversations or talk about stuff that maybe I didn't appreciate at the time because life's not always easy. Sometimes while I was doing stuff like, you know, like remember I was talking about doing, you know, uh, soundproof days. Oh, I'm doing this record and doing that record and working over. I'm like, yo, I never slept. <laughs> I don't remember a lot because I didn't sleep, you know, but it was hard on my body and hard on the mind. And I didn't get to see my kids or spend time with my girlfriend or make sacrifices. Yeah. Right? So all these things become, you know, 
um, come together at the, the, this moment where I, where I put them together and go, okay, wow. Like, like, you know, Ernie, Ernie made me open my eyes to something that, hmm. that I never really thought about because where my story is not being raised, I was already like, it was just natural for me, you know, and it's just in the music. And if you go watch Rumble, yeah. go watch, you ever seen the movie Rumble? Not yet, but I know no, what you're talking about. Go yeah, watch yeah. Rumble, Indians That Rock the World, because yep. Ernie was interviewed for that. Oh. Um, but they, he's not in it, but, you know, they they did do interview him and, uh, I think it was him and Melly Mel or Ben Bot or somebody. But they anyway, the point is, you learn so much that, you know, a lot of our story has not been written into the history um, as Indigenous people, as far as music, um, and as far as, you know, it's just like rock and roll. They leave, you know, it's, there's the real story, the, the, the story that they tell you, and then there's the real story, yeah. right? So I I learned so much, and I I didn't realize that, you know, we we have been living like this, and it's just natural, and, and now I, I get it, and why I, I'm like, you know, if you would have told me, I might have had a different approach, but, mm. you know, maybe I'm not the only one, and I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really such a, like, eye-opener, right? Ernie really opened That's why he had to be on the album and be in that intro and explain it. Mm. Only he could explain it, you know? Um, and it, and it kind of made things make sense for me because I always had this love affair with hip-hop, and why? Why am I? Why do I care so much? Huh? Right? Why do I? I could go work in the shop and be. I could do car audio all day, or you know whatever. I could go do something else in my life, you know. Um, but I guess I was supposed to do what I'm. It was, it was part I'm, of your DNA. Huh? Yeah, it's in the DNA. So I mean, I'm thankful, and I, I'm just the whole thing has been about just trying to tell my story and expose those artists to the world that that already have their own some of those guys have such great followings and they didn't need me Mm -hmm. but i just wanted to kind of like do something that was because a lot of times people don't realize they hear me all the time but they don't know it because Mm -hmm. if you're an engineer or a producer it's not like how it used to be where you got the album you're looking at it people don't we're missing so much of that nowadays right yeah yeah. You know, people ask me, oh, what songs have you done? And they go, oh, I did blah, blah, blah. Like, even I forget where I was <laughs> with somebody, and I'm like, yo, you know I have a credit. I did a song with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And they were like, holy cow. And I was like, yeah, man, I totally forgot. <laughs> and I didn't realize and have any perspective about it, right? And it just blew me away. Yeah, because you're in it. You don't, you don't know. You're just in I'm it. I'm too – yeah, I don't, I'm not <laughs> – watching all that stuff like i'm just trying to pay the bills keep the lights on <laughs> yeah and you, and you tripped over history is what is what has happened um yeah and, and at the same time some people you know some people put me in check when they show me stuff like that where I'm like yeah we made history yeah for sure in in the world like you know and that's that's something that you know like going back to like i said it's like i could never expect in a million years to have I even like to give some perspective like Redman was my favorite rapper of all time mm. so being able to be around 
my favorite rapper was like, oh, right? But then everything yeah. after that yeah. is like, wow, you know? So, I mean, you got to stop and smell the roses. That's all I'm saying. Oh, that's for sure. Is, Appreciate it. Yeah. What's what's next for for you? Is is there more to the Spirit of Hip Hop project or is it just a an album? Do you want to do more around it? You've got You've got other projects on the go? I'm dropping a remix EP in about a month. Okay. School of Hip Hop remixes. Um, there's going to be 10 of them. Hmm. Um, look out for that. We just dropped uh, Turtle Island remix, remixed by the legendary Rockweiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go check out Rockweiler's discography. Oh, brilliant. Uh, if you don't know who Rockweiler is, damn, go find out. Because he blessed me with that. So that's coming out next. Um, there's some some really really dope remixes on there. Um, I did one. I did two. I did. I remixed uh, Rise and Rise or Fall, and then I I collabed with Classic Roots on a Turtle Island dance remix. Okay. Every other song was a hip hop remix, but I I did a dance remix of Turtle Island, and oh. it came out pretty dope. I like it, so I don't care. I love it. <laughs> if I don't like it. Too bad. It's uh, it's. It's definitely different. It's like six minutes long, man. It's like, you know. Um, and then after that, you know, I've been, I've been working on Keith Murray's album. Um, I've also been working on a secret project with some legends. I'm not going to say um, when when it drops, you're going to be like, oh, snap. That's what he was talking about. All right. Um, and then I got some other projects I'm working on with E in, in Long Island. And then um, there is talking to doing a sequel. To the oh. spirit of hip hop, uh, making it a, a continuing to be a continuing thing, um, but you know that's up in the air right now. So we'll see what happens. Very cool. Um, one of the things we'd like to ask each of our guests is sort of what's what's in. I mean, you've talked about a lot of music you're working on right now and stuff, and a lot of artists. What's in your earbuds right now? Like, what are you listening to, or what or what should people be really listening to right now? Um, well, I've been in a bubble for a minute. I just downloaded the <laughs> new Nas album uh, the mm-hmm. other day because I what I what happens to me is like I just came off a, a three week stint. I think I mixed like twenty five songs in like a month, the last month. But like I mix, I'll mix like twenty five songs at once. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'll work on them a little bit at a time, and then I'll go hit the big studio and, and bang them all out over a few days. Um, so when I'm in a bubble like that. I end up spending my time in the car listening back to my mixes yeah. and hearing things that I want to change. So I end up not listening to as much outside music. But I know I just took in that Nas album. I've been on this uh, Ill Bill and Stu Bangas um, stuff, but I've been like, I haven't even been venturing out. I've been so, <laughs> because the album, I was finishing the album and then I've been in the remix. And then I've been working on other people's. What happens is I end up in a bubble working on music that are actually everybody else is going to hear. And I keep missing stuff. Mm. And sometimes I don't want to be influenced. And sometimes I do. Mm. But I, yeah. by the time I get time to like relax and unwind and go, okay, now what's new, right? I got to spend, you know, three days just catching up. Yeah. Um, and I probably need an assistant again just to like start handing me stuff. <laughs> Because it is good to keep up to date. You gotta keep up to date with who's hot, what's current, how sounds are, uh, mixes are. Like things change fast, so I mean, it's good and bad. But 
you know, I've been just all summer. I've just been in a bubble, really. You know, I haven't been like like I've been missing everything. I've been hoping, but I've been what people have been listening to too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because some people have been hitting me, telling me stuff, and I'm like, really? Oh, I keep hearing the song on the radio every. I'm like, really? Because I'm not, you know, everywhere, and I can't hear everything. So, you know, shout out to all the radio stations and um, all the shows and you know all the fans and anybody you know spinning the music. Well, we we look forward to that secret project mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, that you're working on. Um, There's a couple. Nice. Well, listen, David, this has been awesome. Uh, everybody needs to go to their favorite streaming platform uh, and check out the spirit of hip hop uh, by David Strickland featuring some awesome rappers, some amazing uh, indigenous artists and musicians. Um, David, where else can people go to find out more about you and your work? Is there a website we can plug? Uh, my website's uh, www.davidstricklandstudios.com, but it's like, I need a web host. <laughs> I need some work and, um, I'm not on all the socials. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram is really the best way to find me. Awesome. David dot Strickland at Instagram. And then like, I'm really, I'm not on Twitch. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on, like, I'm not on a, it's too much work. There's like, we're <laughs> yeah. a guy just to run your, run your socials, you know, um, we're, we're going to have yeah. to get you that assistant. Yeah, I've been, I've been having a hard time just keeping up with myself. <laughs> um, please forgive me, you know. Um, but, yeah, you can find me, you know, if you really want to get at me, Instagram and my website. There's going to be email there, you know. I'm not that hard to find. Awesome. David, this has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much, really, for, for all your time. and. Um, yeah, guys, everyone, they need to get Spirit of Hip Hop. Go listen to the album. It's a journey. It's Thanks awesome. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, I appreciate awesome. it. Take care, buddy. Great time. Thanks, Dave. All right, well done.